If you want your on-air content full of spice If you like your daily news much more precise If you much prefer announcers on the ball Then you'd best tune in to Marcus Paul If you hate what MSM has now become Rupert Murdoch and his dirty rotten son If you're sick of mainstream doing bugger all Marcus Paul should be your part of call Marcus Paul is a sleuth, always looking for truth He wants accountability He will bring you the news and some great interviews Just listen to the prawn, you'll see If you need affairs as current as they come If you're sick of Rupert Murdoch and his son If you much prefer someone who does a troll Marcus Paul is always on the ball He's sure to expose anybody on the nose He's holding politicians to account He is real and legit and he has the finest wit His honesty is paramount If you wanna listen to the prawn on air He's online with Starter Rep and find him there Marcus Paul will bring you all the latest news And he always does great interviews You can listen to him when you choose Marcus back on air is such fantastic news. Well, good morning and welcome to Tuesday. It is the 22nd day of March. Nice to have your company, Marcus Paul, in the morning live on starterfm.com.au and your favourite listening app, including the iHeartRadio app and TuneIn. And if you choose to listen to us a little later in the day, of course, on the Prawncast. It's good to have your company. Plenty to talk about this morning. Little bite-sized chunks of news for you in between some great tunes and the latest uh, news uh, coming to us. Thanks to Air News. So I hope you're having a, a wonderful morning so far. Let's get into it. There's plenty to talk about, as I say. Woke. The term woke. I hate it. I despise it. What does it mean? Well, whatever it means, it's being used as a distraction and an excuse for poor financial management and generally bad policy by the Liberals and Nationals around Australia. I see uh, one quite senior Liberal MP in New South Wales who is now, who was recently given the poison chalice of transport in the new Perite ministry, David Elliott. Good bloke, but I think you're off the mark here, David. I think you're trying to use all of these silly terms and words as a distraction. Uh, I'm sorry, Australians just aren't buying your model anymore. The far-right policies of the Conservatives just don't ring a bell anymore. I'm, I'm afraid to say that unilaterally, it's pretty obvious now that Australians want a much better deal from their government. Less waste, more concentration on better services for Australians. You know, for too long we've looked after big business and it's important to look after big business, absolutely, but not at the expense of everyday average Aussie battlers. Anyway, apparently the South Australian loss in the election over the weekend is blamed on the Liberals' PC agenda, which is too woke for their own good, according to David Elliott. I'll dissect some of that rubbish for you very soon. As I say, I think it's just a a silly excuse and using buzzwords in order to do it. Uh, Well, they need help given that 
pretty much most of Australia, bar New South Wales and Tasmania, is now Labor. The Conservatives in New South Wales are really trying to, well, call on the troops. I'm speaking of Gladys Berejiklian. Yep, an urgent SOS has been sent out to Gladys Berejiklian uh, in the hope that she may sway uh, some of the, oh, well, the faithful in New South Wales who are turning against the Liberals and the Nationals in their droves. Anyway, I'll talk about that a little later. Some good news. Dylan Alcott, the Australian of the Year, is going to help drive disability jobs across the country, which is wonderful. A little bit of uh, environmental news. Uh, We spoke a, a little bit yesterday, and I've got some more detail on this government plan to try and reduce the use of plastics. <laughs> it's pretty... Uh, look, I, I applaud it because it seems that, you know, we're a little bit more serious about this and other issues around climate change, but Australia is aiming to recycle around 70% of plastic packaging by 2025. Is that achievable? Well, I damn well hope so. So I'll get into the nitty-gritty of that and some other issues as well. It's nice to have your company on this Tuesday morning. All the news, your views, of course, on the Facebook page, Marcus Paul in the morning. You can send me an email, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au and some great tunes as well for you right across the morning. We're here till nine, Australian Eastern Daylight Saving Time. Okay, let's get into it on this Tuesday morning. Now, up until a couple of years ago, we'd never heard of the word woke. I woke up. So we used it in the term of actually, you know, being a past of wake. So I'm just wondering where the term actually came from. Now, as an adjective, woke means... And I guess in a political sense, if you like, woke means to be alert to injustice and discrimination in society, especially racism. We need to stay angry. We need to stay woke. And if you're looking for synonyms, I guess, revolutionary, progressive, reforming, reformist, progressivist, and a whole stack more. The reason I bring it up today, and I don't like uh, the term woke, Um, just as much as I don't like the term left or right. I think there should be right and wrong. Anyway, wouldn't you know it, the Liberals have begun the infighting after the South Australian election loss over the weekend. It's being blamed on the Liberals' PC agenda. Really? Too woke for their own good. That's according to the New South Wales Cabinet Minister David Elliott who has reportedly broken ranks and unleashed on his own party for allowing members to propagate a, quote, woke agenda that alienates voters. The Transport Minister said Labor's win in South Australia was a dire warning to all MPs interfering with the government's ability to stick to its traditional centre-right ideals. There are way too many woke issues that are seeping through the cracks and the electorate isn't too grateful for it. It's happening all over the place. And my heart goes out to Dom Perrottet and Scott Morrison, who are trying to manage parts of the Liberal Party who are, quote, interfering. That's according to David Elliott. Forget about your pet issues. Forget about the issues that are largely symbolic. Now, it's been revealed the extent of the internal warfare within Dominic Perrottet's government 
with Attorney General and moderate Liberal Mark Speakman sending a text message to some colleagues mocking a Facebook post from the centre-right David Elliott. In an exchange, Mr Speakman sent a screenshot of Mr Elliott's post in which the Transport Minister and the South Australian election loss uh, said the uh, South Australian election loss was an example of what happens when a centre-right party moved away from the centre-right. Mr Speakman apparently in the text exchange wrote, See, I knew it was use Republicans. What lost us the South Australian election. Now, Mr Elliott said he was not worried about the, quote, ramblings of his Cabinet colleagues as he assured commuters the rail, tram and bus union had promised to keep commuter chaos to a minimum in a renewed round of protected industrial action from today, yesterday, Monday. I'm fighting the union, the public service, the Labor Party and the bloke across the road, said David Elliott. The last thing that worries me are the ramblings of Mark Speakman. Ooh... Trouble in paradise in the Liberal Party of New South Wales. The divide in the party comes as Mr Elliott said Liberal governments across the country should learn from Stephen Marshall's loss to Labor's Peter Malinowskis in the South Australian election. Mr Elliott said Mr Malinowskis's landslide win uh, was a result of our party moving away from us. In South Australia, some of those areas should never have swung. The party centre-right faction has been at loggerheads with the moderates in the past over key policies including the inquiry into ice usage, the drug ice. The two factions, along with the right, are also expected to be at odds over Mr Speakman's historic reform to how the law deals with sexual assault. The Attorney-General said his comments about Mr Elliott's post were a, quote, private joke. I don't comment on a private joke made to only two colleagues, and I expected colleagues to behave likewise. He said, well, there you go. There are issues there. Absolutely, there are issues. What do you make of it all? You can send me an email, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au. But uh, the newspaper headlines yesterday screaming out, base warfare with the Cabinet Minister David Elliott breaking ranks and unleashing on his own party for allowing members to propagate a woke agenda, I still don't know exactly what he's going on about, that apparently alienates voters in the Liberal base. Look, I think it's nothing short of a distraction, to be perfectly honest. And I think the tide is turning. I think Australians in general are sick to death of the Liberal brand. And that is, well, let's... okay, if you want to use the term woke... They're sick of the injustices of the Liberals using taxpayer dollars to feather their own nests and that of their donors. I think that's what it all comes down to. Marcus Paul in the morning. Starter FM. All right, welcome back. Uh, thank you for listening to us on starterfm.com.au and, of course, the iHeartRadio app. And tune in and maybe you're catching us on the Prawncast on this Tuesday. Well, the fallout continues uh, after the South Australian election loss for the Liberal National Party over the weekend. So much so, they're calling in, well, old favourite, 
Gladys Berejiklian. Senior Liberals, according to uh, a report in the Daily Telegraph, have sent an urgent SOS, Save Our Souls, or in this case, Save Our Seats, to, you guessed it, Gladys Berejiklian. They want the former Premier to help save key seats in New South Wales in the upcoming federal election. Local campaign teams in electorates at risk of falling to progressive independents are also pleading for Prime Minister Scott Morrison to stay away, with some Liberals labelling the PM quote-unquote toxic. Wow. Toxic to the government's chances. (laughs) They've finally woken up to him, have they? Liberals say internal party pollings shows Ms Berejiklian is even more popular now than she was as Premier, despite the Independent Commission Against Corruption investigation, which led to her resignation. Now, Ms Berejiklian is set to be approached directly uh, by former party allies, asking her to lend her weights to help federal candidates, including Dave Sharma in Wentworth, Trent Zimmerman in North Sydney, and whoever the party ultimately selects to run in the seat of Warringah. She's particularly respected by women, according to a senior Liberal referencing the party polling. Premier Dominic Perrottet is set to be called upon on a case-by-case basis to help local candidates as well, but is not seen as important as Gladys Berejiklian to the Federal Party's re-election chances. A senior Liberal said of the ex-Premier, we need Gladys involved. She is our best asset. Jesus wept. Really? If Gladys Berejiklian is your best asset, I'd love to know what your worst one is. Oh dear, another source said officials working on key seats like Wentworth had brainstormed popular figures that could be drafted to help the campaign, and Ms Berejiklian was on top of their list. The former Premier had been courted by Scott Morrison, of course, to run for the federal seat of Warringah after she quit as Premier, but she declined. And as we recently reported, despite, well, some reservations by many working within the, the company Optus, and their parent company, owned by the Singaporean government, Ms. Berejiklian last month started a new job with the telco giant as the managing director of Enterprise Business and Institutional. No, I have no idea what that is either. Anyway, it sounds to me like awfully like it was a job for the girls. Uh, what do you make of all of that? Let me know. Uh, you can leave your comments on the Facebook page. Marcus Paul in the morning. I've got a post up there. Many of you already having your say in relation to that. All right. Speaking of women in politics, um, again, uh, not only have we heard from Emma Hussar, but another regular when it comes to these issues has poked a nose up. I'm talking about, yep, you guessed it, Nicole Flint's. You know, she's quitting politics because of alleged bullying. So she's had her say in relation to the fact that women are closing ranks amid the bully turmoil. And in the wake of these allegations of the late Kimberly Kitching, who was yesterday laid to rest. I'll give you some detail on that story in just a couple of moments. Marcus Paul in the morning on this Tuesday. Nice to have your company. You know, yesterday I thought... I would torture myself and tune into the drive program on 2GB in Sydney. And uh, there he was, 
the sports commentator turned, I don't know, political genius. Uh, what's his name? He's a nice bloke. I, I don't mind. Jim Wilson. I don't mind Jim as a sports presenter. Anyway, there he was once again <laughs> bashing away at Anthony Albanese. Look, that's obviously how he feels and we live in a democracy and that's all fine. I've got no issue with that whatsoever. Uh, but I felt a bit sorry for old Jimbo. I mean, yes, obviously, the... Uh, those conservative listeners that are glued to 2GB, uh, despite it being as boring as batshit in in some instances, certainly sent in uh, a lot of ammunition for Jim to work with in relation to Anthony Albanese. Now, of course, Anthony Albanese wasn't going to speak out yesterday in relation to these allegations of bullying by the so-called Mean Girls of Labor. It was a day where Kimberly Kitching, the former senator, was laid to rest. We know Kimberly's story. Sadly, she passed away at the very young age of 52 a couple of weeks ago. Now, of course, not only has Emma Hussar come out to have her say about Labor's entrenched quote-unquote bullying, but yes, you guessed it, another Liberal MP now is stuck ahead above the parapet. And uh, she's no stranger to, uh, I guess, listeners and followers of mine and certainly of Jordan Shanks, friendly Geordies, Nicole Flint. I'll get to Nicole in just a moment, but back to old Jimbo, um, you know, trying his best to hammer Albo into a wall with very little ammunition. He brought in the old bloke who I think is on oxygen these days. Uh, They call him the former Labor power broker who now appears on Sky News occasionally when he's awake, Graham Richardson. Well, Richo appeared yesterday uh, speaking to Jimbo, Richo and Jimbo, and despite his best efforts by, uh, by Jim, he couldn't get Senator or former Senator Graham Richardson to pile on Anthony Albanese. He just, uh, Richo wouldn't do it. Richo basically turned around and said, you know what, it's a bit of a storm in a teacup. And as, you know, Jimbo went on to say, oh, but surely this is going to affect the uh, the election outcome. And, you know, Labor are miles in front expected to win, but uh, this might be, you know, uh, something that may turn it all around. And Richo said, no, mate, you're making a mountain out of a molehill here. It was fun. It was really fun. Anyway, no matter what we, uh, what you think about the issue, we must never forget, of course, that, uh, you know, Kimberly Kitching, is no longer with us and yesterday it was very sad very very sad to see her laid to rest i'm getting a little bit annoyed with the i guess the uh what's the best way of putting it has it been weaponized her situation absolutely it has and mainly because we're you know so close to a federal election uh, the liberals and their media supporters are doing everything they possibly can to weaponize the sad passing of Kimberly Kitching, and of course, they're calling in some of the big guns, including Nicole Flint, Emma Hussar, uh, and others. Anyway, I don't think, uh, like Graham Richardson on yesterday on 2GB in the afternoon, I agree with him. I don't think it's going to make one iota of a difference when people go to the polls and. Uh, you know, six weeks, seven weeks' time, they're not going to be thinking about Penny Wong, Christina Keneally, or who's the other one? Wong, Keneally. Oh, Marcus, I'm having a shocker this morning. Um, you know who I'm talking about, the so-called mean girls. I don't think that they will feature 
uh, in people's minds on that day, unless they're voting in their electorates, of course. You know, for Keneally, unless you're out around the Fairfield area, whatever. Anyway, let's have a look at uh, (laughs) what Liberal MP Nicole Flynn had to say yesterday. Well, the story is... And James Morrow, of course, writing it. So you take it with a grain of salt. He's about as far right as you can get. Labor women have closed ranks and avoided questions about the party's track record on bullying in the wake of allegations Kimberly Kitching was isolated by Senate leadership. Labor's Senate leader Penny Wong has strenuously denied claims Miss Kitching felt isolated and bullied and called for, quote, common decency in the wake of a sudden death. But Miss Kitching's friends and allies have continued to argue for an inquiry into her treatment, with one Labor MP remaining anonymous, of course, saying they were shocked at the absolute denial. The majority of more than 40 female Labor MPs and Senators did not respond when contacted by the media to seek their position on an inquiry into the bullying claims. Well, look, they may well in the next week or so, but leading up to, you know, her funeral, probably, I I don't blame them. You know, if you've got a journo ringing you and one of your colleagues is about to be uh, buried and sent off and, you know, everybody's mourning her passing and all the rest of it, the last thing you want to do is speak to a journalist because you know exactly what they're after. They want to weaponise her passing, as sad as it is. Katie Gallagher was the other one I was referring to. I'm sorry about that. I had a bit of a a mind blank. Anyway, uh, they uh, apparently the Daily Telegraph received 10 responses and around half declined or were unable to comment. Well, of course they wouldn't comment. Of course they wouldn't. Senators Wong, Keneally and Gallagher have said bullying allegations levelled at them were untrue. In a tense live interview about the issue of bullying on Sunday that I referred to in yesterday's program, Miss Wong was asked why, as a senior South Australian party figure, she did not publicly call out appalling behaviour directed at retiring Boothby Liberal MP Nicole Flint. Last year, Ms Flint announced she would quit federal parliament at the upcoming election after experiencing harassment and abuse. Ms Wong expressed regret at how Ms Flint felt about her treatment, but claimed her private discussions about the matter had been sufficient. In response, Ms Flint apparently told the Daily Telegraph it appeared Labor would, quote, relentlessly pursue any woman who did not fit their narrow idea of what she should think or do. Penny Wong has long claimed to be a champion of women. Now, according to uh, Liberal MP, outgoing Liberal MP, Nicole Flint, she says she finds that, well, clearly not to be the case. So Penny Wong, who claims to be a champion of women, Nicole Flint said simply, she's not. I thought they just tried to take me on because it was politics and they wanted me out of my seat. But it turns out they were doing worse to their own women and I find that sickening, Nicole Flint said. Labor's New South Wales President Michelle Rowland said that speaking from her own personal experience, she had genuinely felt supported as a woman in the party. Fellow frontbencher Linda Burney said in her 20 years in the party, she'd had a lot of robust discussions about the best policy and decision-making for the country, but felt they were always focused on coming to the right decision. MP from Lilly, 
Annika Wells, said she believed everyone had a role to play to ensure everyone is treated fairly and with respect, while Cooper MP Jed Kearney said she had had a positive experience in Parliament. Uh, Patterson MP Meryl Swanson said Miss Kitching was a good friend who would be missed and her thoughts were with her family. All right, well, we know that Albo's been under the pump on this, particularly uh, from the Murdoch press and, uh, you know, those News Limited hacks that are going to take any chance they can to try and, I guess, smear his uh, person ahead of the next federal election. Albo has rejected the idea of an inquiry into Miss Kitching's treatment, prompting Prime Minister Scott Morrison over the weekend to accuse Labor of being in a crystal cathedral where they were pretty quick to throw stones. Yeah, I don't know, maybe, uh, as Graham Richardson said, Anthony Albanese is probably working in the background of all of this. I'm sure he is, and I'm sure he's getting to the bottom of what happened, and I'm sure that he will take action. But again, to do it right when the funeral is being held for Kimberly Kitching is just ridiculous. Miss Kitching, we know, died of a suspected heart attack at the age of 52. She was farewelled at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Melbourne yesterday. Following her death, former Labor leader Bill Shorten, who was one of her closest friends, raised concerns about the stress Miss Kitching was under as a result of the backroom machinations holding up her pre-selection. It was also revealed last week Miss Kitching privately referred to Miss Wong and Labor's Senate leadership team as, quote, the mean girls who she felt had ostracised her in Canberra. Asked on Sunday if she had bullied Miss Kitching, Penny Wong said emphatically, no, I did not. But Miss Wong, as we know, and I mentioned this yesterday, did confirm she regretted a previous comment to Miss Kitching along the lines of, well, if you had children, you might understand why there is a climate emergency. What I said was insensitive. Miss Wong said I regretted it and I apologised as I should have. All right. Well, if you want to have your say on this, plenty of opportunity on the Facebook page. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, well, here's a a nice, quick, good story this morning. Australian of the Year, and I'm uh, a big fan of this bloke. Uh, Imagine, you know, overcoming all of the obstacles uh, that many people um, deal with when they're in wheelchairs to become uh, a world champion at the sport that you've uh, chosen, tennis. He's also a pretty mean basketballer, mind you. And then also become Australian of the Year and and do fantastic work in order to champion um, the can-do attitude and the ability of people with disabilities. I'm speaking, of course, of Dylan Alcott. Well, I see uh, that he is teaming up with the federal government on a nationwide blitz to help more than 100,000 people with disabilities find work. I don't like focusing on the the term disabilities. I mean, I understand why we use that term, but everybody with a disability still has ability. It's been revealed Alcott and Social Services Minister Anne Rustin launched, uh, well, yesterday launched The Field, which is an online platform designed to connect people with disabilities to potential employers and highlight their skills, experience and qualifications. 
It's being backed by a massive ad campaign, which is due to kick off later this year, and it hopes to attract 100,000 job seekers and around 45,000 businesses. And in a separate initiative that was also unveiled yesterday, big businesses, including Coles, the Bendigo Bank and Tennis Australia, have signed up to the $2.4 million Recruitable pilot program, so Recruitable, so Recruitable, and that is aimed to improve their recruitment practices and in the hopes of hiring more Australians with disabilities. Uh, Look, there are many great disability advocate companies out there uh, who obviously highlight the ability side of people with disabilities. Um, Far too many for me to mention here, but they also do some great work. But getting Dylan Alcott involved in this from a marketing perspective is, I think, a very good move because he's recognisable, he's pretty, you know, he's a good bloke. He's he's a decent fella. Anyway, Alcott is the seven-time Australian Open champion. He's made expanding employment opportunities for people with disabilities one of his key priorities as Australian of the Year. He said yesterday it's time for employers to take the lead in creating inclusive workplaces and recruitment processes so people with disability have more choices and control over their careers. Well said, Dylan, and good luck to everybody involved in this wonderful initiative. Marcus Paul in the morning. Tuesday morning, nice to have your company. If you're listening to us on the iHeartRadio app, thank you, or on TuneIn or maybe live at starterfm.com.au. If you missed any of the program or you'd like to listen back to not only today but maybe yesterday or last week, this is only our third week, but every program is podcast or prawncast, and that drops a little later in the day on your favourite podcast platform. Okay, let's talk uh, a little education and a story that caught my attention yesterday. Teachers are pleading for more help. Oh, teachers. I mean, if it's not a a lack of, uh, well, teachers' availability, uh, teaching shortage, a lack of support, too much admin work, uh, too much preparation, all the rest of it, less face-to-face teaching. Now we're hearing teachers are pleading for more help to deal with unruly students whose bad behaviour has apparently escalated since returning to classrooms after almost two years learning from home. A lack of time and resources to manage behavioural needs of some students has reached crisis point. That's according to the New South Wales Teachers Federation. Australian teacher workforce data has revealed classroom issues are a top reason behind workload and pay why up to two-thirds of New South Wales full-time teachers are considering quitting the profession. I told you about that yesterday on the program and it's something we've been talking about well certainly with the opposition's education spokesperson, Prue Carr, on the show for at least a couple of years now. Cogra High Principal and New South Wales Teachers Federation Executive Member Julie Ross said returning to -to face-to-face teaching had been the nail in the coffin for some teachers. She said coming back from remote learning, the behaviour of kids has not been great. Teachers are really struggling to get students to engage with their learning So coming into 2022, a lot of them have decided, well, this is it. I'm getting out. 
She said that teachers were increasingly responsible for managing difficult behaviour stemming from students' home lives. A policy making it harder for schools to suspend dangerous and disruptive students set to come into effect in term two this year has apparently also added to the pressure on teachers. Anyway, over to the Education Minister, Sarah Mitchell. She said the strategy was evidence-based and indisputably sound. The New South Wales government, according to the Education Minister, Ms Mitchell, said the New South Wales government is making a record investment in behaviour management and inclusion staffing, including an additional 68 behaviour management specialists and 1,200 school counsellors. All right, well, let's hope it helps our teachers because... I would hate to think uh, that, you know, the two-thirds who are apparently considering leaving the profession, I would hate to see them go. Uh, God help our kids then. Marcus Paul in the morning, if you'd like to leave a comment uh, on that story, you can do so on our Facebook page or send me an email. Perhaps you have a story of your own. Marcus.Paul at starterfm.com.au. Tuesday morning, nice to have your company, Marcus Paul in the morning. Just um, some further um, chat in relation to schools, and I received a, uh, a bunch of documents yesterday from New South Wales Labor. Taxpayers are set to foot the bill for over $140 million in school building cost blowouts. Analysis of New South Wales government's budget and tender documents shows that every school approved through the New South Wales government's planning system acceleration program in 2020 now costs more than originally planned, with New South Wales taxpayers due to pay over $140 million in cost increases since the projects were approved. Now, the state opposition says 10 public school projects were approved through the program, all of which have their final costs outstripping the price originally stated by the government, with the school at Meadowbank Education and employment increasing by an eye-watering $80 million. Hello? An $80 million cost blow out there at Meadowbank Education? (laughs) The New South Wales Auditor-General sounded alarm bells about the New South Wales government's mismanagement of school infrastructure last year when the problems plaguing school projects were first unearthed. Upon auditing the Fort Street Public School upgrade, a project which has blown out by more than $14 million, the Auditor-General noted in a matter of months after the final business case was submitted to Treasury for approval, S.I.N., New South Wales sought additional funding above the project contingency amount to address matters that were or should have been considered significant risks in the initial business case. Yeah, nothing like chasing your tail. In assessing the overall process, the Auditor-General said uh, also that there were shortcomings in several business cases and cost increases and contingency drawdowns for several projects indicate that scoping, costing and risk assessments could be improved, especially for complex projects. Well, yesterday, New South Wales Labor leader Chris Min said this is a cost overrun of massive proportions and at the end of the day, The New South Wales Liberals are either going to have to take some part of the community, uh, take from some part of the community or force taxpayers to foot the bill. 
So in other words, take money out of the budget elsewhere to cover the blowouts. First, it was transport infrastructure, according to Minzy, and now it's schools. The government's cost blowouts are occurring across the board, and New South Wales taxpayers are the ones who have to clean up the New South Wales Liberals' financial mismanagement. Meanwhile, uh, the Deputy Labor Leader and Shadow Minister for Education, Prue Carr, she chimed in saying taxpayers shouldn't have to foot the bill for the New South Wales government's poor schools planning. The New South Wales Liberal government spends millions on planning consultants, yet the end result is still shocking budget mismanagement. It's no wonder so many communities are still waiting for promised schools when other projects have run so far over budget. This program was supposed to fast-track projects. Instead, it has fast-tracked cost blowouts. And I've got a list here of all the blowouts amounts. Schools at Meadowbank Education and Employment Precinct, they've blown out by $81 million. Alex Avenue New Primary School, $7.7 million blowout. Warnervale New Primary School, uh, Porters Creek Public, a cost blowout of $2.1 million, and on it goes. A nearly $10 million cost blowout for a new primary school in Catherine Field in Sydney's southwest. And, uh, and also a nearly $10 million blowout in the completed Kaima Public School upgrade. In total, $141.5 million in cost blowouts so far. New South Wales taxpayers are most likely going to have to foot this bill. Marcus Paul in the morning. Tuesday morning. Hello there. Nice to have you company here on starterfm.com.au or maybe you're listening on the iHeart or TuneIn radio apps. Chippy packets, bread bags and other plastics that are difficult to recycle, they'll be the ones targeted with a $60 million federal fund to drive technological developments. Now, that budget boost was unveiled yesterday by the Prime Minister and we, uh, uh, we told you that he was going to speak to this, uh, which is good news for our environment at least. ScoMo unveil, uh, unveiled the targets. Uh, so in other words, the government wants to uh, modernise recycling here in Australia. Uh, $250 million will be spent as the country aims to recycle 70% of plastic packaging by 2025. Now that sounds to me like a wonderful idea. Let me repeat that. Australia wants to recycle 70% of plastic packaging by 2025. So in a matter of years. This new funding stream dedicated to help solving the problem of hard to recycle plastic waste demonstrates the determination to invest in Australian industry to growing the recycling sector, according to the PM. Well, we live in a throwaway society, and, you know, it's pretty cheap uh, for China and other importers to wrap their stuff in plastic. Unfortunately, so much of it ends up in our environment, our waterways, our bushlands, uh, and it, a lot of it is not decomposable. And what we need to do is do a lot, a hell of a lot better, a hell of a lot better. So this is a good initiative. Environment Minister Susan Lee said accelerating advanced recycling infrastructure would help properly dispose of more of the 1 million tonnes of plastic packaging generated every year. More than a million tonnes of it. 
It'll also help create new products from waste. Uh, remember I talked yesterday about the possibility of eventually having your, your homemade sandwiches wrapped in not plastic, but seaweed. Well, not seaweed that's dragged from Balmoral Beach, but, you know, recycled seaweed. I think it's a great idea, a good initiative, and one that uh, we should get behind and support. Marcus Paul in the morning, if you would like to send me an email, I'd love to hear from you. Marcus.Paul at StarterFM. Marcus.Paul at StarterFM. If you would like to sponsor the program in some way, shape or form, a couple of ways you can get involved there, of course. You can become a patron uh, through our Patreon uh, link or make a one-off donation to the bank account that's on the Facebook page. That's if you'd like to support us. Nice to have you company on this Tuesday morning. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, how are the roads around your neck of the woods following the recent spate of rain? Um, Obviously, I'm not just referring to areas that dealt with major floods or flash flooding. Obviously, the roads there are pretty well stuffed. But for communities right around Australia, uh, particularly down the east coast, that dealt with deluges but didn't see uh, the flooding that Lismore and other areas of the Northern Rivers and uh, areas including Richmond, Windsor and Picton, those areas in Sydney, uh, certainly roads because of the massive amount of water have suffered. And and add to the issue of massive potholes, we've got soaring petrol prices as well. So the petrol prices and severe damage to road infrastructure caused by the floods has led to an industry-wide call for the billions of dollars Australians pay in fuel excise to be redirected back into roads and public transport to ease cost-of-living pressures. Hang on. What's wrong with... (laughs) That paragraph I just read. I thought that's why we paid fuel excise. Isn't it used for our roads? I don't know so much about public transport, but certainly roads. Anyway, the Australian Automobile Association is calling on both major parties to reinvest all of the revenue collected through the fuel excise back into transport to improve commute times and drive down costs for motorists. All drivers pay a fuel excise of 44.2 cents a litre. I'm just going to repeat that. 44.2 cents a litre every time you put petrol in your car goes directly to the taxman. Now, that generates more than $13 billion a year in government revenue. But only around half of that, I'm told, has been spent on roads in the past decade. Well, why only half? Why hasn't it all been spent on roads? Ahead of the next federal election, the AAA, that's the Australian Automotive Association, wants the billions of dollars directed to critical road projects, including in New South Wales extensions, of the M6 motorway, capacity upgrades on the Princess Highway, Stage 2 of the Parramatta Light Rail, cash as well to combat the local road maintenance backlog for local councils, the Northern Beaches Transport Corridor and regional highway upgrades. AAA Managing Director Michael Bradley said of this plan, the time has come for both sides of politics to commit to using 100% of fuel taxes 
to build projects that get Australians and our economy moving again. Just let me repeat the key aspect of this story. We all pay a fuel excise of 44.2 cents a litre. It generates in excess of $13 billion a year in government revenue. But only around half of that has been spent on roads in the last decade, and we know who's been in government in the last decade. I think you'll agree it's time for a change, particularly if we're paying so much damn fuel excise. Put it back into improving our roads. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, well, that's about it for the program today. It's been wonderful having your company. Tomorrow, we'll catch up with Sir Khan from True Crime News Weekly. I look forward to my chats with him each and every week. Uh, An interesting story on the Laundry family, including a former federal politician. Anyway, that's on the way tomorrow. Uh, If you want to check out their Facebook page and become a uh, subscriber, to True Crime News Weekly. Please do so today and you'll know the story we're referring to. Uh, If you want to send me an email about anything on today's program to have your say, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au. Please continue following our content on the Facebook pages, uh, both Starter and Marcus Paul in the morning. And you can also check us out on TikTok. (laughs) Having a bit of fun with those videos at the moment as well. We'll be back tomorrow. From 7 till 9, Australian Eastern Standard Daylight Taving Time. I hope you have a wonderful, safe day. Enjoy the rest of it, and we'll catch up again tomorrow. Marcus Paul in the morning, right around Australia, on Starter FM and the iHeart TuneIn Radio apps. 